Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saving Minds, the podcast that uncovers the best of what's new in the search for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease treatments. I am your co-host, Shanti Skiffington. Today, I'm uh, recording solo, but I'm welcoming Dr. Joanne Kaplan back to our podcast to talk about something that's been in the news a lot lately, and that is the topic of neuroinflammation and its role in Alzheimer's disease. Um, we're interested in learning your perspective on it, Joanne. So welcome back and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So before we begin and on the topic of things in the news, uh, the Alzheimer's community last week witnessed what might be the biggest news uh, of the past decade. And that is that Biogen, uh, one of the leading uh, developers of drugs for Alzheimer's disease, had announced that it was resurrecting a drug candidate for Alzheimer's disease that it had previously ended its program for. And that drug candidate is called aducanumab. Um, Apparently, they had examined some additional data. They discussed the data with the FDA. And the FDA seemed to be amenable to reviewing an application for approval from Biogen. So it it just sent shockwaves through uh, the community um, in a good way. Uh, and so I'm wondering if you can perhaps give your perspective on this news, um, maybe give an overview of what happened and then share with us why this is a good thing. Yes. Yeah, so shockwaves is, is the right word. This was very unexpected and very exciting news. Uh, as you said, basically Biogen announced that the futility analysis that they had done and that led them to discontinue their clinical trials because statistically it looked like there was very little chance of success while the analysis was actually misleading uh, essentially because it was done too soon. And when they later included patient data that were collected for another few months after the cutoff date that they had used for the futility analysis, Uh, they were in fact able to see a benefit in the patients that had longer-term high-dose exposure. So this was really great news for the Alzheimer community that finally there is a drug that can help slow down the decline in cognition. Uh, And it was also very important news for the research community in that it confirms that amyloid beta is, in fact, a viable target for therapy, uh, which had become a little contentious with uh, so many failures around amyloid beta. So now there, there is a renewed interest and understanding of, of A-beta as a target. Um, even though this is great results, uh, the effect of aducanumab is really uh, modest, and it was only seen at the highest dose that was tested. So there is still room for improvement in terms of a next generation of drug candidates. And um, as we explained in our previous podcasts, it's really the, the toxic oligomers of amyloid beta, those small sticky clumps that are the major driver of disease. And aducanumab is only partially selective for the oligomers. Uh, It does bind oligomers, but it also binds very strongly to plaque. And so that not only diverts antibody away from the oligomers, uh, it also increases the risk of side effects, uh, in particular brain edema that is also called ARIA-E that you can see on MRI. 
And this is a problem for aducanumab. Uh, 35% of patients experience REA-E in the trials. So that, that's like one in three patients. And even though aducanumab would likely work better at a higher dose, it was not possible to go any higher because of the risk of REA-E. So now what we need uh, is a next generation of antibodies that are selective for the oligomers and that do not bind plaque so that you could then safely dose higher uh, without the risk of REA-E and have the entire dose go after the real target. So great news, aducanumab is a very good start. And I think that the future is very bright for Alzheimer's disease patients with new and improved drugs that will surely follow. It was really exciting news. And there's been a tremendous amount of media coverage of it. And, and it can be confusing to read through the headlines because I think it was such a, an unusual move uh, for a major drug maker to dismiss a drug and then put it back into play. Uh, but as you suggest, um, it validates the category. Um, amyloid beta, as we've discussed on this podcast, has been the most validated target for drug therapy. Uh, but with so many failures, people, I think, were beginning to lose interest. And so now with this category being validated, and in, in fact, if Biogen gets approval from the FDA, this would be the first disease-modifying therapy uh, for Alzheimer's disease. But with this with this side effect of brain swelling, uh, it certainly reveals a need for uh, better better candidates, more more sophisticated candidates that would be um, akin to what would happen in a next generation therapy is that you would get more specific on the toxic part of amyloid beta. So really, really exciting news for everyone in the Alzheimer's community. So um, let's just shift to neuroinflammation. And maybe we could just begin by uh, a brief explanation of what it is and why it's such a problem in Alzheimer's disease. So neuroinflammation is basically, as the name would say, it's inflammation in the central nervous system, meaning the brain or the spinal cord. And I think we're all familiar with inflammation in, in the rest of the body. For example, uh, if you cut your finger, uh, especially if it becomes infected, you experience redness and swelling at the site. That's inflammation. Uh, it's a good thing. It means that your immune system is taking care of business, that uh, the immune cells are becoming activated. They come into the site to kill any invading microbes, to clean the debris. And once everything is cleared and the trigger is gone, uh, the inflammation resolves itself and everything is back to normal. So inflammation in general is a good thing. The problem is when inflammation anywhere in the body, when it becomes chronic, that it doesn't shut off, that it keeps going on and on. And then these activated immune cells and all the mediators that they release, like cytokines, oxygen radicals, well, those start to damage the surrounding tissues. And in the case of the brain, that means chronic killing of neurons. And that is why neuroinflammation is a concern in neurodegenerative diseases. What causes neuroinflammation in the brain? What is, what is, it, what is its genesis? 
Well, the, the very short answer is uh, overactive immune cells, uh, in particular, microglial cells in the brain, which you can think of as the garbage man of the brain. So the microglial cells are everywhere in the brain, and their job is to engulf and clean up debris, like dead cells, protein clumps, or even any bacteria or viruses that may make their way across the blood-brain barrier. So it's a very uh, important function. But in diseases like Alzheimer's disease, uh, those microglia seem to be chronically activated. And if you look at brains that are collected at autopsy in patients, there are more of these microglial cells and they have activation markers. And so their constant state of chronic inflammation is believed to play a role in, in the damage and the progression of disease. And in fact, in animal models, if you use agents to target microglia, either to decrease their number or reduce their activity, there is evidence that you can reduce inflammation and reduce the damage. So now there is a, a real intense focus on trying to reduce the various aspects of inflammation in order to protect the brain. And I do feel like we hear a lot about inflammation across many different disease types and what people can do to prevent inflammation from happening. When it comes to the brain, what can be done to prevent or I guess even treat neuroinflammation once it occurs? So I think we, all, we hear a lot in the popular press that you can cut your risk of Alzheimer's disease and inflammation in the brain by healthy living. So that, that is one uh, basically easy way that, that everybody can implement is exercising, eating right, keeping your blood pressure low. Uh, that just keeps your brain healthy and, and can help prevent inflammation. But what would be more, the most effective uh, would be to try and stop the triggers for inflammation so that you can prevent it from setting in or break the cycle of inflammation once it is started. So what exactly are the triggers in the brain that, that would start inflammation? Uh, one obvious culprit uh, across different neurodegenerative disorders is the toxic oligomer those toxic clumps that are formed by misfolded proteins, such as amyloid beta and Alzheimer's disease, alpha-synuclein and Parkinson's disease, different proteins and different diseases. And these oligomers are not only toxic to neurons, they can themselves kill neurons and that can cause inflammation, but they can also directly activate microglial cells, which can also lead to inflammation. So in these diseases, you have this constant supply of oligomers that are forming that activate microglia, and, and this just keeps the fire going. So if you could inactivate and clear these oligomers, for example, with a selective antibody, which I think would be the next generation of therapeutic for Alzheimer's, uh, this would be an effective strategy to short-circuit the inflammation. And inflammation, as you're suggesting, is a root cause of a variety of neurological diseases, not just Alzheimer's, but also Parkinson's, and I'm assuming a number of other diseases that are caused by misfolded proteins. Is that correct? 
Correct. Exactly. So bringing us back to aducanumab, do you feel this drug candidate is going to be able to address neuroinflammation? That's a very good question. Um, On the one hand, aducanumab is partially selective for oligomers, so it could at least partially reduce this trigger for inflammation. But on the other hand, aducanumab also binds plaque and deposits of amyloid beta in the blood vessels, and that can activate immune cells and cause local inflammation, which actually likely played a role in the ARIA-E that was observed. So you get binding to deposits, and that can engage immune cells, cause local inflammation in the blood vessels, which then become a little more leaky. There's an influx of fluid in the brain and edema. So in that regard, aducanumab is a bit of a double-edged sword, and again, leaves room for improvement with an antibody that would be more selective for oligomers. Well, and let's hope that with its resurrection, that it will not only provide some treatment, uh, but also pave the way for this next generation to do a better job. Um, That's all the time we have today, Joanne, but we really appreciate you coming on to explain these complex topics uh, that can be hard to follow in the popular press. So uh, thank you very much, and we hope that you will come and join us again. I would love to. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone.